Adam Pengilly, thanks for waiting, mate. Morning to you. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Uh, we'll get to your thoughts on the races soon, but let's start with the footy. And what did you make of Penrith securing another minor premiership and last night with a lot of very quality players missing as well? Yeah, first of all, what a cracking game of football, Jared. That was uh, one of the highest quality games we've seen for several weeks, I would have thought. And it um, just goes to show how good this Penrith system is. Still missing Cleary, still missing Luai, still missing Fisher-Harris. And to be able to go toe-to-toe with South, who have been flying of late, and then put them away in the final stage is a massive testament to the club to win there. Or win another minor premiership after an outstanding season. I just want to say, how good is Zappi Coruscant, Loz? Like, that just, he, he's got to be one of my favourite players to watch. And that, that play in the last couple of minutes, that match-winning play to put Liam Martin across when you could see every single South defender had eyes for Sean O'Sullivan and then just to use his feet and his shoulders as deception, which is absolutely fantastic. I, I think he is really Penrith's X-Factor when it comes to the finals. Yeah, very good player. And you mentioned the fact that he's got nice deception from dummy half, and that's the way he sells it. And, you know, you've got to be on in the middle of the park when you defend Penrith because if you're not, Coruscant can put a dent in you. And given that you've got to be so tight then to worry about him and Fisher-Harris and Isaiah Yo, it just opens it up a bit more on the fringes for when Cleary and, and Luai get the football. But, you know, you, you throw in uh, Coruscant. Dylan Edwards is pound for mm. pound one of the, the best players uh, in the competition. We noticed him in that game last night and we sort of noticed last week when he wasn't there the difference that he makes to this football team you know they'll be humming when they get to finals they've wrapped up the minor premiership um they're a very very good team just 26 points south allowed penrith to put on them without cleary and luai mm. um that for me is a concern yeah. That, that, to me, is a concern when they can put... And possibly could have had more points put on. Well, Liam Martin bombed a couple of tries, didn't he, Loss? So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know they got the attack, but for me, they, they it's all about attack. They don't... They've got to prioritise their defence. Mm-hmm. If they prioritise their defence a lot more and, and they get their attack right, which we know is there, they, they, they can beat all the good teams. But until they get a, a tougher attitude to the way they defended at times they did last night but then they conceded plenty of easy yardage and that was a worry for mine what, what an underrated player Sean O'Sullivan is as well Loz like I just you know just the way he, he steered that team around without Cleary last night I thought his kicking game was really uh, made Latrell Mitchell work last night and probably found him out, out of position a couple of times and a couple of kicks they made him get down low and bend him up on his uh, bend, them, bend down and pick him up from his own goal line and I thought Sean O'Sullivan was, was really, really smart there last night. I'm very keen to see what Ivan does for that last round against the Cowboys in Townsville, um, whether he just plays a second-string team and, and virtually just rests his players on mass because that's a long trip up to Townsville in the final round of the season. Obviously, we've got to travel to get back to Sydney to prepare for a mm. final the following week. And you imagine they're probably going to be opening the final series on, on a Friday night, given that they're minor premiers or at the very least playing Saturday. So... He's got a few decisions to make in regards to how he sort of manages their loads the next couple of weeks. Yeah, there'd be only one that you'd be looking at, and that's Isaiah Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the others have missed a bit of football. You know, you, you look at Dylan Edwards. He, he had last week off. You know, you've got Cleary and Luai, Fisher-Harris. I, th- I think Isaiah Yeo is the, the one that you, you give a rest to if you want to because of the workload that he has. I, I can't see them resting too many more. Hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Parramatta, the Parramatta rested on mass last year in the final round of the season. They actually played Penrith, and Penrith played all their guys. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, if my memory serves me correctly. Ooh, yeah. Um, that's. I think you might be right. I think you're and right. I think, yeah. 
I think, yeah, because I remember reading a story about how they did it oh, a decade before or something. Yeah. Against yeah. the Dragons. Was that right? Yeah, potentially. Oh, didn't they? Didn't they play a Dragons one week and they got beaten Parramatta and then I think Dragons were minor premiers or something and then Parramatta turned up on the Sunday afternoon and you know it was a warm day and they they beat them the year that Parramatta went on that run and made yeah, the grand 2009, final. Yeah, two thousand and nine. Yeah. Now the NRL Grand Final staying in Sydney this year. Adam, what have you made of it all? Well, thank God, Jared, it's over. <laughs> if I can put it in those terms, this has been going on for weeks, if not months, and I'm glad they finally came to the decision. Were you, were you writing Peter Volandia's script there yesterday, Jared? Or um... <laughs> yeah, I don't think Peter needs anyone to read his, write his scripts. He's got it all, all, all done himself. I liked Bruno Cherry, right? That was good. <laughs> were you at the press conference yesterday? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. What, yeah. what did everyone think? When he announced that Melbourne <laughs> at the start was going to host it, did everyone go? <gasps> I sort of did a little bit myself. I thought, what, what's he going on about? Here? But, yeah, he, he delivered it with a fair bit of uh, conviction as well. So um, it was quite funny himself. Yeah, it was very good, very good. Um, yeah, I think I think they've made the right decision, and, and financially, the New South Wales government came to the party late yesterday morning. If, if all the reports were were right, were led to believe are correct, uh, and bumped up their offer just a little bit at the last minute, and that got them across the line. And I think I said to you guys on the program, if not last week, the week before, um, Acor Stadium's got eighty thousand seats. They, they can sell an extra thirty thousand seats in Sydney as opposed to Brisbane, and don't discount how crucial that is for the NRL to try and commercialise those extra seats and the revenue they can generate from that and then compare that to the Suncorp Stadium up there in Brisbane. So I'm very keen to see what they do with the concepts going forward. I, I get the impression that Andrew Abdo is obviously very smart commercially. That's his background. He's very, very keen to explore this option of this Super Bowl concept of selling it off to, to different grounds and different states throughout Australia. My personal opinion, I, I would hate to see it go to an Optus Stadium in Perth or a Melbourne cricket ground purely because... I don't think they're rugby league grounds. I just think you lose so much atmosphere playing on these oval venues. Uh, I know they've got a lot of seats. I know they're major venues. But rugby league, the best thing about it is the atmosphere can generate the ground like Suncorp Stadium or a core stadium in Sydney with a rectangular field. And I know we sell off the origin to, to another state every year. And I, I actually don't mind that. I think that's okay. But I think our grand final should be traditionally be played in Sydney. If we're going to take it to Brisbane, yeah, that's okay once every few years. I'm probably not completely against that. I still believe the grand final should be in Sydney. But... I don't know if I'm a massive fan of taking interstate to these oval, oval venues. Like it. Buddy, what did you make of the Kalen Ponga saga? And do you think you should keep the captaincy or lose it? Yeah, Clarky, this is a fascinating one. I, the NRL Integrity is going to hand down their report at some stage in the next few days, you would have thought. Uh, I think they're getting close to finalising that. It's a massive call for Newcastle. It's a massive, massive call. Um, I know a lot of people would say that, you know, whether he's done anything right or wrong in terms of... Well, there are only insinuations at this stage. We'll be very careful about, yeah. you know, alleging anything. But it was a bad look. No one can dispute that. It was a bad look on Saturday night to be in that toilet cubicle with his teammate coming out, you know, minutes after his team's been pumped up there in, in, in Brisbane. Um, as a club captain, he probably should have been making his choice a, a lot wiser. Now, what do Peter Parr and the Knights do? Do they, do they take a stand now and take the captaincy off him? But I look around that squad. And I don't know if he's a natural successor. I don't mm. think Kalen's a natural fit, 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 captaincy, to be fair. But, you know, who do you go with if you take it off him? Do you, do you now put the responsibility on him and say, OK, mate, you've stuffed up. Now it's your turn, your, your time to leave this club out of the mire, basically. And we're going to ride you. And you're going to be the leader that we need. That's the question they've got to ask themselves. And the, I suppose they've probably already been asking themselves the last week. And it'll be fascinating to see what decision they come up with. Yeah. I, I think with Kalen, if you're going to have him as captain, you've got to have people around him to show him what sometimes what leadership looks like. <laughs> you what know, does he have at the moment, Lois? What's that? 
he doesn't have that at the moment, does he? No, he he doesn't at all. He doesn't at all. Basically, they've just gone. There's the captaincy. Go out and do your best. Mm-hmm. And and you know, with, with leadership comes a lot more than just being the best player. And we've spoken about that a lot. Um, and you know, do you really want the captaincy? Um, you know, what does captaincy look like away from the field? What does it look like on the field? You know, are you prepared to have tough conversations? Are you prepared to challenge your, your teammates? You know, are you prepared to do extras with your coach in terms of planning your sessions and, and planning your game plan? There's a lot more things that go into it rather than just being the the, the C on, on game day, you know, representing your club at, at different functions, going talking to, to sponsors. Um, mm. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things involved with, with leadership. And I think at times people are just thrown in there without actually knowing what leadership looks like. I, I remember and it's unfair on them. Yeah, I remember changing to him while I was at the start of the season. I think it was after a trial game they played against the Bulldogs up there in Newcastle. And I had a chat to him for a few minutes in the sheds just about the captaincy and his thoughts on it. And I just walked away with the impression that he still wasn't convinced himself that he wanted to do it. Um, he was still trying to get his head around it. I know that was only early in the year, but I reckon if you ask him now, even still, I don't think he's quite mm. completely grappled with the concept of, of what it means and everything else that comes with the captaincy, as you're mentioning, was. But, but, and Newcastle's such a proud rugby league town. I know we bang on about that all the time, but it's, it's a massive honour to captain that club. And you have to be all in. You have to be completely all in on that job. And if I'm being honest, I don't think Kalen has been this year. Um, that might come in time. He's still only young and he still might learn it. But the time for the Knights is now. They've got to turn it around now. They just cannot afford to have another season like they've had this year in, in 2023. No, they certainly can't. I'll tell you who can't afford another poor season by the sounds of things is Desi Hasler and Manly. Yeah, the season's just going from bad to worse, isn't it, Loz? Um, obviously, a few more injuries this week. Jake Javoyish won't play, against, play again this year. Ruben Garrick's obviously out for the season. And... Their season's unravelling really fast. I think if you ask them if they want to be over right now, I think a lot of those players put their hand up and say, yep, just get us to the off-season. Let's start again fresh next year. I, I still... I'm trying to get my head around this dead situation and, and his contract next year. There's, there's no doubt that the winds of change are slowly starting to blow through Manly there. They've obviously got a new chief executive with Tony Mestrov. Um, Dez is, you know... Well, as you know how Dez works. He, he's virtually yeah. run the club for a number of years now, hasn't he? He does, yeah. he does everything from coaching the football teams and managing a lot of the stuff off the field. And... I think they want to try and, you know, I suppose distinguish Des's position a little bit more. Uh, going. Can I ask you this, though, Adam? And I know there's coaches out there, but do you actually see an obvious successor to Des? Because sitting, sitting here right now, I don't. Well, look around the competition now, Laws, and, and the clubs that have been searching for a coach, we're talking the Bulldogs, the Tigers, the Warriors, have virtually all gone for untried coaches. Let's just take Tim Sheens out of it for a minute because Benji's going to be the long-term successor there. They've all gone for guys who are rookie coaches. Uh, Manly is a very unique club. Um, Trent Barrett was a rookie coach when he went up to Manly. We all know how that's finished. And Des sort of just fits Manly, doesn't he? Um, and I, yeah. I can't I can't see any obvious successor waiting in the wings ready to go up there at Manly, uh, whether it's someone coming through the system or someone externally. I know the name we keep talking about, you know, uh, from an experience point of view is, is Shane Flanagan. And he seems to can't land a job at the moment. And, and I... To me, can't understand why in a lot of respects. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you, Lots. I, I can't see anyone just waiting there, ready to go no. to take the role if they move on from Des. No, there's sort of not an obvious fit there at the moment when I'm looking at it. I go, geez. Because yeah, even Flano, I, I don't know whether Flano would fit that manly sort of style or culture. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, it's just one of those ones. It, it, no, that's not saying he, he wouldn't do a good job, but I just don't see that person that you go, yeah, I can see that working. I can see that, you know, 
going together and being a happy relationship. Mm-hmm. They've got some calls to make Manly. Uh, very good, very, they're going to be a fascinating watch next year, Manly, I reckon, for the first few months of the season. Definitely. Okay, racing and Loz's multi. So he's got in the highway race one, Bandy's boy top three and too much to bear in race six to run top two. Uh, any thoughts there, Adam? Yeah, well, Loz, you know I don't bet in the highways usually, so I'll, I'll give that one a wide berth. I've barely looked at the highway for, for tomorrow. But too much to bear does find his right distance there tomorrow. So it's a tougher race than what he's been finding that winter challenge last start. But 2,000 metres is right up his alley. So I'm not going to say anything for you, Loz, because you've been flying with this multi of late. So you don't need any endorsement or anything from me. You just keep doing what you're doing. Um, keep going. I appreciate that, mate. All right. Uh, what have you got? What have you got then for us, Best mate? Best on the program, race four, number eight, Casino Kid, Jared. I was filthy on myself for not backing him last start. I thought he was in a right sort of race, but just a little bit uh, suspect about 1,100 metres or 1,600 metres. But he ran out of his skin. I know he makes a very similar field here. Goes up a little bit in weight, but I think he can win again. So that's race four, number eight, Casino Kid, the best bet on the program. And the wing stakes, Jared. Uh, She's a tough race this year. I just I can't get Animo that short. I, I still oh. think he's just he's very very short. But then I listen to Duff, who I respect enormously on form line last night, saying this horse should be odds on. He's his best bet on the program. So I thought he should he should be somewhere closer to around that three dollar mark. If I'm going to have a small play in the race, I have something small on Fangirl each way. Mm. But uh, a very tricky race to start the Group One season in Sydney. Very tricky it is, mate. You have a great weekend. Thank you. Yeah, enjoy the weekend, boys. We'll chat on Monday.